following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Basketball Society. Hello and welcome to the Sunday Fadeaway. I am your host, Ryan Kalpin, and this is a Basketball Society podcast. Uh, we are back talking hoops, something that everybody loves to listen to and everybody loves to talk about. Uh, for new listeners, Sunday Fadeaway is a part of the Basketball Society, a very large basketball blog that covers high school, college, and NBA basketball on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, really. Uh, you know, one of the best Twitters out there. You can follow them, like I said, at B-Ball Society for them, at Sunday Fadeaway for this podcast. In this podcast, what I'd like to do is do my best to have discussions be as lively and energetic with people from different uh, states, from different countries even, that know and, and follow hoops in a different way, you know, have a different take on things that I may be speaking about, uh, you know, on this podcast. Nobody wants to tune in and just listen to me try to talk hoops for 45 minutes. Believe me, 45 minutes of myself is way too much talking from me. You can ask my friends, you can ask my parents. Nobody wants that. So it only works if you guys tune in on the Twitters, at B-Ball society at sunday fadeaway you know shoot me an email whatever it is to get in touch with me say hey i want to give you a call i want to talk hoops you don't know what you're talking about i would love to have you on the show you know not going to say that you know what you're talking about is right because you know i'm going to do my best to shut you down but i want to hear it i want to do my best because debates and conversations about hoops only escalate to the next level to the best level when you can have a lively discussion with somebody else so you can do that like i said one last time this is Sunday Fadeaway, a basketball society f- podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Sunday Fadeaway at B Ball Society. Great. So last time that we were here, we were talking hoops. Of course, I I, I tend to to shift my focus towards the NBA world. Um, although NCAA basketball has begun and there has been some great tournaments um, during you know these past couple weeks and some great individual performances, uh, you know, from young freshmen. Um, and, and so we will dive into that a little bit as well this show, but mostly uh, the Sunday Fadeaway is going to uh, focus around the NBA League. And we're, we're, we're going here. You know, we're almost a quarter of the way through the season for the NBA. Uh, you know, most teams have played at least 17, 18 games. Some teams have played a little bit more, but it's about a quarter of the way through for, for most teams here in the NBA. And we've had some interesting and exciting storylines thus far in the season. And, you know, that's what I want to get to right now. So I am Ryan Calvin. This is the Sunday Fadeaway. Let's go. Um, great. So what I want to start off with talking about is teams trending in a positive direction and teams trending in a negative direction. Uh, on the last show, I had myself in, in Basketball Society uh, contributor and writer, Ralph. Uh, we discussed some of the teams that were really playing some good basketball and, and some teams that you know were, were struggling to, to kind of make ends meet. Um, and I kind of want to see what directions the teams are now going in, you know, having it elapsed a few weeks. And you know, just a pause in the action before I really dive into this. Do you want to mention I am working uh, behind the scenes to do my best to get this up on iTunes every single week. You can search it on iTunes podcast uh, Sunday Fadeaway. Have had some um, you know kind of technical difficulties on the back end trying to get you know some conversions over from from kind of the formats. You know no, nothing that I'm too good at, nothing I really want to talk about. But you know just just continue to look for that. If not, it is always on SoundCloud every single week. You can look at B-Ball Society SoundCloud page and and search Sunday Fadeaway, and all the episodes are up on there. But I am going to do my best to continue now moving forward to get every single episode up and running on both SoundCloud. And iTunes. Okay, enough of the boring stuff. Let's go. Here we go. So teams trending in a positive direction. I've just kind of listed out a few, and we'll dive into them. Uh, so obviously, as most teams, uh, as most people know, you know, that follow the NBA are really 
don't even follow it that that much are are here in the headlines and the stories being made by Kyrie Irving and the Celtics. Of course, though, that is the number one team in the NBA right now. In the last ten games, they are nine and one. Of course, won a sixteen game winning streak uh, snapped by the Heat uh, a few days ago. But you know, obviously, an incredible streak, especially off the back end of losing Gordon Hayward in the beginning of the season and young guys like Jason Tatum. Uh, you know, having to step up Jalen Brown and, and, and Marcus Smart and, and Terry Rozier really playing some strong basketball. And of course, you know, led by Kyrie Irving. You know, he wanted to go to a team and leave Cleveland where, you know, the team can be his. And it looks like he's got a chip on his shoulder. It looks like he's out there searching for vengeance. And, uh, you know, it really couldn't be going much better for, for him and for the Celtics right now. Like I said, 16 straight at one point. That was the 13th longest streak in NBA history. Uh, they sit at, with a record at 18 and 3. I'm sure across the board and the number one team in all power ranking. Uh, we'll get to my top five a little bit later on in the show, but uh, you know that, that's a team definitely trending in the right direction. Uh, nine and one in the last ten games. Another team trending in the right direction: the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, seven and three in the last ten games, um, eleven and seven overall. Really playing some strong basketball. Ben Simmons, you know, in my opinion. You know, definitely rookie of the year right now. I, I understand it's way too early, but he is, uh, you know, had a, a, a few triple doubles, doubled, averaging uh, nearly a double double. Um, you know, really starting to find his groove offensively. He's a great, obviously, as we all know, and a great, a great passer. Um, you know, top, he leads the rookies in all categories: points, rebounds, assists. Um, but you know, he's even up there in league leaders overall, know all the players, you know, in, in assists and in, in uh, field goal percentage. For a guy that doesn't shoot outside the paint, rarely. It's really impressive what he's been able to do, uh, and, and, and not to mention, of course, Joel Embiid really playing some strong basketball. And it seems his health, you know, knock on some wood for, for Sixers fans, including myself, uh, you know, health is not going to be an issue. He's taken some hard falls this year where a lot of people are, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, losing, you know, kind of taking a deep breath, you know, watching him play. But, you know, 7-2, he looks limber. He's able to stretch it outside, shoot the three ball. Uh, he's deadly with a step back at times. It's impossible to guard when a step back like that is on for a seven foot two guy because, you know, if he, if he gets you in the paint, you know, and has you where he wants him, there's no way he's not converting on that score. Uh, he's been playing some really strong basketball. J.J. Redick has been strong for the Sixers, a veteran uh, leader there. Robert Covington, in my opinion, uh, the most underrated player so far. I mean, he is doing some phenomenal things. He's in the top seven in three-point field goal percentage across the entire league. Got the extension that he was looking for, and it was a great sign, but the Sixers didn't really spend too much money on a guy that plays solid defense, is a great three-point shooter, can attack the rim, rebound, push the pace, uh, really does a lot of things for these Philadelphia Sixers. An original processor uh, in a lot of times, uh, you know, we all know as, as we've struggled through the Hollis Thompson and Henry Sims of the world's. Uh, that Robert, you know, was something special, and he's really developed into a really strong player, so doing some good things there for the Philadelphia 76ers. We have a scrap point guard in T.J. McConnell, who uh, is, is playing some really strong basketball off the bench for the Philadelphia 76ers. Things are starting to gel for Brett Brown, um, you know, so so really looking good for the Sixers, sitting in the five seed right now in the East, again, 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. The Cavaliers have turned it around. Last show, we were talking about them uh, trending in a downward direction, obviously, uh, you know, losing... Uh, I think it was four in a row and five of six, not really having an answer, getting blown out by teams they shouldn't be losing to. Definitely have turned it around eight and two, and that is on the back of LeBron James. Uh, I mean, in his 15th NBA season, it's quite incredible what he's been able to do um, over the, these last two weeks in, in you know, kind of just overall. Obviously, in his career, you expect father time to catch up at some point, but he says he's in the best condition of his career. He's playing the best basketball of his career. And for the rest of the NBA, that has to be scary because, like I said, this is his 15th. NBA season. Uh, he is in the top uh, three in points per game, averaging 28.5 right now. 
Um, the one caveat that I would say is, you know, as good as the Cavs have been, as great as LeBron has been, he's playing a lot of minutes right now, averaging, you know, second in the league in minutes at 37.7, only .2 behind Giannis uh, in Milwaukee. Um, for a guy, uh, you know, I understand if there's one guy in the 15th year of their career that can, can manage to play 37 of 48 minutes, it's going to be LeBron James, but it has to be something that you're kind of keeping an eye on as a Cleveland Cavalier fan. I mean, you, you, you've had some guys start to really pick it up. Kevin Love's played better. J.R. Smith has played better. Dwayne Wade has been, uh, you know, helpful off the bench, but it's really been a lot on the back and on the shoulders of LeBron James, um, you know, that they can attest this, this 8 and 2 over the last 10. Um, you know, for Cleveland, I think that you have to be careful. It's a long season, um, and and when you get down to the playoff times, you're only, you're only playing the best of the best, uh, and and the body wears out no matter who you are. I mean, you, he is human, although sometimes it probably feels like he's not. He is a human being. He is, um, you know, he's not God. So you really got to keep an eye on that, and you're hoping that some of the other guys can continue to start playing, uh, increasing minutes and playing a little bit better basketball, where they can give LeBron James a little bit of a rest. Um, another caveat outside of, of, you know, again, playing really strong basketball, you have to keep an eye on as well. Derek Rose, uh, away for the team for the past, I want to say six or seven games. He, he dealt with a sprained ankle. And of course, everybody knows the injury, uh, record that, um, Derek Rose has had over his career. And I think this injury, um, you know, might've put him over the edge. He, he's, he's not okay mentally. Some of the reports coming from Cleveland, he wants to take some time to really, um, kind of think about his career. Uh, moving forward, you know, what he wants to do because I can't imagine, you know, being hampered by, of course, ACLs and meniscuses and, and ankles and, and some of the off-the-court issues that he's had. It's, it's really been a struggle for a former MVP-type player for Derrick Rose. So we wish the best uh, to Derrick and hopefully he can get his head on straight and come back and help Cleveland, you know, continue to, to rise in the East. Um, Isaiah Thomas making uh, strides, and, and he's uh, he's very vocal. Uh, I was watching a game earlier, and it was funny. He was on the bench, and he actually got a technical foul, uh, you know, coming onto the court being so pumped up after a play, uh, you know, that happened for Cleveland. So he's ready to go. He's tweeting a lot. He's out there on social media. He's reminding people to not forget who he is, remind people that he was Mr. Fourth Quarter. He's happy that Kyrie's doing well, but the, he, he said, just don't forget about me. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, when uh, Isaiah comes back, if there's going to be some remolding time or, you know, kind of time to gel again for the Cavaliers. Again, this is a new team, a lot of new faces. And again, you saw it in the beginning of the season. They were struggling and, uh, you know, it might take some time maybe to add somebody like IT into the lineup to, to get readjusted. Um, again, trending positively. Celtics, Sixers, Cavs, another another team trending positively. The Detroit Pistons, 7-3 and three in their last uh, 10 games. And they've been trending positively the entire season. We've spoken about three or four teams in the past episodes here on the fadeaway uh, that, you know, were really surprising. You know, and most of those teams have started to fizzle out and fade out and, and even some trending really in a negative direction. But these Detroit Pistons have continued to to really play some strong basketball. Um, and, and that is an you know, that that's a testament to, to Drummond and, and Reggie Jackson and Tobias Harris playing out of his mind. Um, and again, just all around solid play. Avery Bradley was a huge pickup for these Detroit Pistons. He is one of the best wing defenders in the league. You don't have a lot of them, uh, in my opinion. There's not too many elite premier wing defenders in this league, and Avery Bradley's one of them, and he's really been able to pick up his offensive side of the ball as well. So, uh, again, a team to look out for. They're, they're like I said, 7-3 and three in their last 10, and overall 12-6, and six, um, and, and sitting in second in the East right now behind the Celtics. So a really, really strong uh, start to the season for Detroit. Um, you know, and trending again in the right direction. So we got positive, we got negative right now. Want a few more teams on the positive uh, directions? Talking a lot about the East, switching over to the West. 
The Rockets and Warriors are two teams trending positively as well. Rockets nine and one in their past ten, and uh, the Warriors eight and two. Um, Warriors losing to the Celtics in the midst of that 16-game win streak for Boston, and also getting uh, you know kind of stomped around by uh, the Thunder uh, just a few days ago. Rockets playing out of their mind, nine and one, 15 and four overall, first in the Western Conference, uh, and, and Harden you know just just been unbelievable, uh, really really unbelievable. I mean he's averaging uh, 31-5 in, in nearly 10 assists a game. On incredible shooting numbers, and in my opinion, as we'll get into a little bit later, uh, playing the best basketball in the league for me right now. Um, so those are some of the teams trending positive. We've got Celtics, Sixers, Cavs, Detroit, uh, Pistons, Rockets, and Warriors. Uh, again, we know who the Warriors are. There might be a little bit of championship fatigue. Still sitting at 15-5. and five. Durant's been injured on and off with an ankle injury, so he's missed a few games. Steph has rested a few games. Draymond has rested a few games. So they're trying to put the pieces together, but I think they're going to be A-OK. Uh, teams... Trending in the opposite direction, uh, the, the Orlando Magic. Again, like I said a few weeks ago, we were speaking about these Orlando Magic and Aaron Gordon and Fournier and, and Peyton and what they've been able to do down in Florida. Uh, not not anymore. Uh, right now, 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games, really struggling to get blown out by teams. Uh, just gave 130 points to the Sixers in a 131-11 loss uh, just a few days ago. Um, so really struggling over there to, to place them. I think overall their offense has still been okay, but their defense, like I mentioned, 130 points is just unacceptable, even in today's NBA day and age. I mean, it's just something that you really got to limit and, and kind of try to lock down on. They've played some sloppy basketball uh, and trending in a really uh, you know tough direction right now. Another team, in my opinion, probably trending in the worst direction uh, are the, the Clippers, 2-8 and eight in their last uh, 10 games. They got a win on a Blake Griffin game winner against the Kings uh, last night. Um, but besides that, it's been all bad news for the Clippers. Uh, Patrick Beverly out for the season. Um, DeAndre Jordan, you know, in trade rumors, which we'll discuss a little bit later. Really outside of Blake Griffin, there hasn't been too many uh, bright spots. They have suffered some injuries with Gallinari and, like I mentioned, Beverly. Um, you know, and, and started off the season 4-0, but since then, um, you know, they sit 7-11 overall, so since then you're looking at 3-11. and And like I said, that win last night against the, the Kings, they almost blew a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, if it wasn't for a very, very tough Blake Griffin fadeaway uh, game-winning jumper with two seconds left on the clock. 2-8 uh, and eight in the last 10, not looking good. Another team in the West, Memphis Grizzlies. This was another team that was grouped in with the Pistons and the Magic that, you know, started off the season so well. And we're like, wow, these Memphis Grizzlies just find a way to win. Uh, two and eight in their last ten games, uh, really struggling. Um, and, and this is something that I really uh, imagined would happen, and, and I was surprised at the start of the season to find themselves in, in winning ways. But I just don't have enough offense there. I don't see enough offense, um, you know, for them. They have the least amount of possessions per uh, game in the NBA, um, and it's just something that I just don't see enough firepower outside of Conley and Gasol. You just don't have the guys that in this NBA in, in today's NBA where offense is everything. Uh, I, un I understand that people say defense wins championships, but I don't think that that holds true anymore. I just think offensively, teams are too talented, defense is too lazy. Um, you know, it's it's all about the points, um, and and you know, Grizzlies are going to struggle in that department unless uh, you know something kind of happens and, and somebody kind of jumps out and and starts playing you know unreal on that side of the ball. So I think they're going to continue to to struggle in the downward direction just because of the way that the NBA has has kind of transcended and changed really since. Uh, you know, the Warriors, um, you know, all, you know, five years ago. 
Uh, and finally, another team trending in the downward direction of the Brooklyn Nets. Three and seven in their last ten, of course. They lost Jeremy Lin in the beginning of the season, but they were playing okay basketball. Uh, but they have one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, and outside D'Angelo Russell, and, um, you know, they, they struggle to, to kind of, I, I don't want to say put points on the, on the board because they do score a lot of points, but they, like I said, a lot of turnovers and really, really poor defense. Uh, so they're, they're continuing to trend downward. Um, overall. So that's what I have. I have the Magic, the Clippers, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Brooklyn Nets uh, all trending downward. I think the Clippers are kind of in, in the worst spot here with some injuries and, and kind of a lack of focus. And in, in L.A., of course, the lights are always going to shine brighter in New York and L.A. So I think they're going to have to do something to figure it out. And, and that's what I want to talk about now. I want to dive a little bit deeper into the Clippers, into some of the trade talks, and, and maybe some of the things that they could do. You're listening to the Sunday Fadeaway. I am your host, Ryan Kalpin. And again, Join the conversations on Twitter. This is the Basketball Society podcast at B-Ball Society at Sunday Fadeaway. Let me know if you want if you want me to get get you on the show. I can give you a call. We'll record the call. I'll get it in there as, in the show as an interview. Uh, you know all these different ways that I can can really continue to to find ways to have fans talk with me about hoops because that's what we're that's what we're here to do. That's what B-Ball Society is all about. That's what I'm all about. That's what the Fader's all about. Here to talk basketball and and let's do that right now. Um, so like I mentioned. Clippers trending in the pot in a negative direction. Uh, start of the season four and zero. Their overall record is seven eleven. So if you do the math, since then they are three and eleven since that four and zero start. They've had injuries to Danilo Gallinari. They've had a season-ending injury to Patrick Beverly. Um, and it's in Austin Rivers has been on and off the court a little bit with some some minor injuries. And then you have trade rumors uh, surfacing uh, with DeAndre Jordan and you know kind of. Behind the scenes, you know, reports coming out say, hey, would he be a good fit in Cleveland? Cleveland mulling over trading Tristan Thompson and possibly even that Nets first-round pick to the Clippers for DeAndre Jordan. And, uh, you know, you have to start thinking. I mean, DeAndre is really a non-factor offensively for the Clippers. Um, And, you know, he's one of the best rim protectors in the league. I think he could do, you know, good things for Cleveland do I think the trade makes sense? I think it almost does because the Nets, although trending negatively, and I think there's a lot of teams that are worse off than the Nets. I mean, you have the Bulls that I didn't mention. You have the Hawks. You have the Mavericks I didn't mention. The Clippers not trending in a good direction. The Memphis Grizzlies, the Magic. You have teams that aren't aren't up to par, in my opinion, with the Nets. And I think that Nets pick could fall outside of the top five, even possibly outside of the top seven. So if that's the case, why not? You know, if that's what the piece that is missing for this trade, why not make that move? I mean, DeAndre Jordan is going to help your defense tremendously. It's somebody that would be able to guard Draymond Green. He can get up and down the floor. Of course, he has some free throw issues. He's not a, a terrifically skilled offensive center. But still, I mean, with LeBron James uh, and, and Isaiah Thomas coming back, if Derrick Rose is coming back, those are some playmakers that can get him the ball in transition in, on fast breaks where DeAndre Jordan can really shine. I mean, Tristan Thompson is a great hustle player. He's a great offensive de- and defensive rebounder. He's not a bad defender. But again, he's not too offensively skilled neither. So you have to look at this and say, hey, I think LeBron James makes DeAndre Jordan better than Tristan Thompson. And also you have to think of the spin on it is if LeBron James, which we talked about last week, if he's not going to be back in Cleveland, are you better off with an Isaiah Thomas and Tristan Thompson connection? Or are you better off with an Isaiah Thomas, DeAndre Jordan connection? And for me, I think it's Isaiah Thomas and DeAndre Jordan, especially if the Brooklyn Nets pick is going to fall outside the top five or top seven in this, in this 
you know, kind of these draft scenarios, a lot of these kids are coming out younger and younger. One year, uh, you know, injured, not even really playing any college basketball. They're not great players, especially not great players off the, you know, right off the, the schneid. And and this is something where the talent is so far different for me between picks one, two, and three than it would be if you're getting a sixth, seventh, or eighth pick with that Nets uh, selection. So. I think, you know, it's just kind of speculation right now, and, and DeAndre Jordan is on the trading block. Um, it's just something I think the Cleveland Cavaliers should do. And also, if you flip it over to the Clippers, you know, yeah, I think Blake Griffin's got to be your guy. Obviously, he, he is the guy, but I think you, you get rid of DeAndre Jordan, you deal with the injuries, maybe a little bit of a tanking year for, for the Clippers. Nothing great in L.A. to ever happen. Um, but I think it's something you got to start to think about. And, and realistically, I also think it might be time to clear house in terms of some of the coaching staff. I think Doc Rivers is, of course, a great coach, a Hall of Fame caliber coach, some people would say. Um, he just hasn't gotten it done. I mean, they've been good with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and Jordan when they are all healthy, but still in the playoffs, they've never been able to get it done. Um, and, and really off to a piss-poor start this season. I don't think they have the talent around them to really make a run in the Western Conference, especially with injuries to Beverly, Gallinari being out, Rivers on and off, uh, Austin Rivers on and off the court. Um, just not enough firepower there. Blake Griffin can't do it all, and he hasn't been able to stay healthy the past few seasons. So who even knows if he's going to be healthy for all 82 games this season? Um, I think it's something that they really have to consider. Again, and then it's a gamble. I mean, if you're looking to trade DeAndre anyway, it's a gamble. Hey, Cavs send that first-round pick over, and the Nets start to play really shitty basketball. Then, hey, you got a top-three pick. I mean, I think that it's a risk that both teams can, should and can afford to do. Um, because because of where they're both at in, in in both the positions right now. Um, so that's my take on that. I think the Clippers really have to think about clearing house. Maybe not in the middle of the season, but after the season, maybe doing a little bit of a you know a rebuilding structure over these next three or four years. It does work, believe me. As a Sixers fan, as a processor, you watch. You have to deal with some of the guys like I mentioned, the Henry Sims, the Furkan Aldemirs, the Hollis Thompsons of the world. Um, you know, it, it's. It's something that you have to deal with, but in the end, you know, you can turn it around and you can kind of switch it over. I mean, not everybody's going to be as successful as Joel Embiid's and the Ben Simmons and, and uh, you know, the soon-to-be Markel Fultz's of the world, but you're going to be in a better spot. You have a superstar to build around. You're in L.A. You have, uh, you know, kind of the bright lights to pull some free agents to you. I think it's time to really start thinking about centering around Blake Griffin, kind of restructuring, you know, bringing some firepower with a new coach into the locker room and, and kind of seeing what happens. So that's my take on the Clippers. That's my take on the trade rumors with DeAndre Jordan and Tristan Thompson and possibly that first-round pick that the Cavs have of Brooklyn's. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of where I am at. I do want to stay in L.A. real quickly. Of course, we you know, it can't go too many shows or podcasts without listening to, to talk about the Lakers. And then if you're talking about the Lakers, you're talking about Lonzo Ball. If you're talking about Lonzo Ball, you're talking about LeVar Ball. And if you find yourself talking about LeVar Ball, you're mad at yourself because you don't want to give LeVar Ball the spotlight that he's looking for all the time, but you're talking about him anyway because he's always making headlines. It's really uh, it's a tricky kind of circle, circle of life, um, you know, in L.A., but I want to focus specifically on Lonzo, of course, LeVar Ball on CNN, um, somehow finding ways to continue to uh, to make headlines, make news, make, uh, you know, kind of top news outlets now, um, and, and he follows the precedents that uh, there's no such thing as bad press, and if he's following that rule, then I guess LeVar Ball is winning, but of course, we know what happened with him and with his son, uh, over in China and the back and forth with Trump. I don't want to get into that. I want to focus on Lonzo. I want to focus on the Lakers. The Lakers are okay right now. Um, sitting in the, I think they're in the ninth spot overall in the Western Conference right now. 
Um, but Lonzo Ball hasn't been. He did have a triple-double um, about a week ago, but he's still shooting very, very poorly. Um, and again, I spoke with this uh, with Ralph last week, and we talked about is it time to worry. Um, and now a week later, nothing. You know, obviously you don't expect it to be dramatic changes, uh, you know, dramatic change of events from week to week, especially with a rookie, especially in L.A., especially with your father being LeVar Ball, and that you're going to be spotlighted every single game and every single minute that you're on the floor and everything that you do. Um, but I do start to think it's continuing in the direction where you have to be worrisome, um, you know, if, if you're a Lakers fan, a Lakers coach, um, you know, where Alonzo Ball is at. I mean, he's airballing shots, um, you know, that are wide open three-pointers, shots that he was making in college, shots that, shots that he's capable of hitting, and shots that make him so much more dangerous. The fact that, you know, Alonzo isn't dangerous if if you allow him to shoot and he's not scoring because, you know, you can sit back. The the best part about Lonzo Ball is his his court vision and, and his ability to uh, you know kind of see different um, you know passes or whatever it may be in, in in the fast break and in transition. But if you're not scared of him, you know, attacking the basket or being able to score on you, you can kind of just focus on that, and his his game becomes so much so much more one dimensional. And Lonzo Ball was so great because he wasn't one dimensional in college, and he isn't in his skill set. So he's got to figure it out soon. Um, you know, obviously, I think I do think a good chunk of it is mental. I think a good chunk of it is learning the NBA, the speed of the game as a rookie. Um, only 20 games into his season, you know, he's had a few benchings in the fourth quarter. He's been okay with. He's quiet. I mean, he, he's not a distraction. It's just unfortunate that his father is. Um, you know, so I, I hope he turns it around. But again, just always a quick take on Lonzo and if you should be worried. And I think, you know, you should continue to worry, especially in today's NBA where, again, like I mentioned, it's it's been a theme throughout the Sunday fadeaway. We always talk about how important offense is, how, how important points are in this league. And if you're a, a point guard where, you know, you can't score, you can't be aggressive or get to the basket, you know, that's continuing to be troublesome, especially if you're looked at to have a high ceiling and be a, a star in this league down the road, something that he's going to have to pick up on. Um, great. You know, I, I want to take a pause in the action now. I said this is mainly an NBA podcast, but I'd be foolish not to talk about the NCAA. Of course, there's fans out there. I enjoy it. Not as much as the NBA, but I think it's great to watch developing players that are, you know, out there and going to be in the NBA soon enough. Bat college basketball has started. The, the you know most of the big programs are in tournaments across the country right now. We've had some really exciting games. Um, you know Texas and Duke overtime. Bagley put up 34. He's been great in the first four games for Duke. Um, but another big name, Michael Porter Jr. Missouri out for the season with back surgery. Um, and I was speaking with my roommates about this early on. Uh, somebody that follows college basketball a little bit closer than I do. Um, it's funny to think about. I guess you know, funny is not the right word, but to think about the fact that Michael Porter Jr. will not play a college basketball game this season, and the question then comes to your mind is, will he ever play a college basketball game? Uh, you know, will he declare after this season, or will he come back? You know, you know, try to play a little bit, get a little bit of you know, kind of basketball under his belt outside of high school ball before heading to the NBA. That's a question that you're gonna have to start to think about. And then if you're an NBA team. You know, a guy that hasn't played any college basketball had coming off back surgery, a major injury that kept him out the entire year. As good as his projection is, as good as he's supposed to be, do you do you still take a risk and and, and draft him? Um, you know, that's something that teams are gonna have to think about. Another uh, storyline I wanted to talk about happened just uh, last night um, was the Oklahoma basketball team facing off against Minnesota. So Oklahoma's twenty five in the country, Minnesota's fourteen. 
um, playing in this game in the second half. Minnesota's up, uh, I believe at this point they're up 12 or 14. A scuffle breaks out. The entire bench for Alabama leaves the court, which then in turn, because of the rules, if you leave the court on the bench, you're automatically ejected. Every single bench player was ejected. So therefore, you have five players if you're Oklahoma. Then, just a minute and a half later, with about 11.40 left in the game, somebody fouls out on Oklahoma. So now you're left with four on five. You're allowed to play with, if it's one on five and you want to play the game, you can play the game. So they're down to four players, which is something I haven't seen. Nobody again, nobody on the bench. The bench is empty. And then, just about a minute and a half later, 10.40, 10.20 left in the game. Uh, the Sooners are down 12 or 14 at this point. Turns his ankle. He cannot continue. So they play three on five for the rest of the game. And they outscore Minnesota 30 to 22. They cut it within three within the final minute and a half. Sexton was great for Oklahoma. And it was one of the most, I, I don't even know what the word is to describe it. I mean, if they would have pulled it off, one of the, one of the most spectacular sports performances in the history of basketball, in my opinion. Uh, I know they didn't pull it off. They cut it within three. They outscored them when it was three on five, which is hard to believe and hard to fathom in somebody's mind um, that three guys can outscore five, and then they've got subs coming in. They're being arrested. These three guys uh, are not, obviously. They're, they're busting their ass up and down the court. It's just something I've never seen before, something that was unlike anything that I thought could happen. I didn't really even know that that was a rule. I thought that if you didn't have five to get on, you know, on the court that you couldn't continue the game. But it was really, it was remarkable. They ended up losing the game 89 to 84, but something, it was just, it was really incredible. It was really a testament to those three guys in Oklahoma pushing it with all they had and, and really almost pulled off one of the greatest upsets, which would have been obviously in basketball history. So those are the basketball storylines. Every single week I'm going to do my best to just talk about some of the main storylines in in college basketball. I'm a Georgetown Hoyas fan. Uh, they started off the season. They started off the season 4-0, so I'm happy with that. Of course, uh, a new coach, um, you know, the great Patrick Ewing, uh, you know, coaching Georgetown. Um, so, so just a little bit of insight on, on your host. Uh, but I want to get back to the NBA to wrap some things up. I want to go over, uh, of course, you know, on every show, on every podcast, and every network that you're watching, everybody loves to talk about the way too early awards. I want to talk about the way too early MVP situation in the NBA right now. Um, again, of course, only 18, 20 games into the season, not even a quarter of the way through. But you have to look at three guys, in my opinion. Opinion. You have to look at Giannis on the Bucks. They have a 9-9 nine and nine record, but he's averaging 29, nearly 11 rebounds and 4 assists on 55% shooting from the field, 76 from the free throw line, and 26% from three. Of course, the one hindrance in Giannis's game is the outside shot. Uh, continuing to look to make that improved. Haven't, hasn't happened yet, but he's just so good around the rim. Obviously, 55% is incredible for a guy that's bringing the ball up for the Bucks. And again, only averaging 3.6 turnovers per game uh, for somebody that is, is 6'11", and again, carrying the ball, which is, is, is hard to believe. Then, of course, you have Kyrie Irving on the best team. Behind him is a leader. They're sitting at 18-3. and three. He was, He's averaging 23-3-5 assists on 48% shooting from the field, 37% shooting from three, and 88% shooting from the field on a or from the free throw line, excuse me, on a career low two turnovers per game. For a guy that has all the razzle-dazzle, as if the best handles, if not top two handles, with Steph Curry in the league, to be able to only turn the ball over twice where the ball is definitely in your hands the most on the entire team in Boston, incredible. He's been absolutely remarkable. A vengeance clearly wanted to make a point that he can run a team, especially with Hayward going down in the first game of the season. 
Um, and it's just been absolutely incredible what he's been able to do. Um, so he, in my opinion, he's got to be in the running right now. And, uh, of course, as everybody should know, James Harden, the 15-4 and four Rockets, the Western Conference leaders right now, he's averaging 31 points, 5 rebounds, and 9.8 assists per game on 45% shooting from the field, nearly 40% shooting from 3, and 86 from the line, again, only averaging 2.7 turnovers per game. Uh, these three guys are, you know, in contention for the way too early MVP award in the Sunday fadeaway. Right now, I have to give my nod in a very close race to James Harden. I know there's been some guys out there that have said that it's not close. It has to be close, in my opinion. Giannis's numbers are incredible. What he's been able to do has been incredible. But the Bucks team isn't that great to me. Most valuable player makes your team that much better, makes them a playoff contender, uh, you know, to, to really make, you know, some strong headway to the finals. The two guys that do that right now are Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Uh, and I just think James Harden has played a little bit better personal basketball. Um, but what Kyrie Irving has been able to do for that Boston Celtics team is nothing short of remarkable. So that that's my way too early MVP. Just want to go through some of the point leaders as well, right? Or, or some of the the league leaders right now. Uh, like I mentioned, Harden with thirty one point four points per game. Giannis twenty nine and a half. LeBron at twenty eight and a half in his fifteenth NBA season. Again, averaging thirty seven point seven minutes per game. Please keep an eye out on that. If you take away anything from this show, from the Sunday Fadeaway episode nine, a Basketball Society podcast, LeBron James averaging thirty seven point seven minutes per game could come down, could come back to haunt the Cleveland Cavaliers. Please keep an eye on that. Rebounds per game. You have Drummond with 15.2. DeAndre Jordan with 13.9. Hassan Whiteside with 12.9. Assists per game. You have Harden with 9.8. Westbrook with 9.7. John Wall with 9.2. Wall has looked a little off this season, and he is going to be sidelined for a few weeks with a knee injury, so he's going to get himself right and come back for the Wizards, who have underperformed a little bit, in my opinion, thus far this season. Blocks per game, you have Porzingis, 2.3, and Kevin Durant, 2.1. Durant is really locked in on the defensive side of the ball this year. Really wants to prove himself that you know he can be an elite defender in this league. And to me, what that shows is his love for basketball. His his drive to an NBA champion uh, you know, off the fatigue of, of a championship season, which the Warriors have looked so at times. He is locked in, and especially to lock in on the defensive side of the ball, which isn't obviously going to get as many highlights and as many shows and as many... You know, questions are not talked about as much, but he has been very, very, very strong on the defensive side of the ball. Porzingis, of course, one of the best rim def the, um, defenders that we have in the league, and the Knicks have been surprisingly strong this season as well. Um, you know, a lot of people thought that they'd be a bottom dweller in the East and in overall in the league, but they've been pretty solid so far, and they're actually in the playoffs right now in the East. And then steals per game, you have Paul George at 2.8, and you have uh, Ben Simmons and Westbrook tied for second at 2.1. So those are some of the league leaders. We talked about the way too early MVP situation um, and, and really talked about a lot of the storylines uh, so far in the NBA. Next week, what I want to do uh, is we will be officially through a quarter of the season for every single team. I'm going to... I'm going to break down, you know, what I think about, um, you know, all the awards, the Rookie of the Year, the Coach of the Year, the Team of the Year, the Disappointment of the Year, the MVP of the Year. The quarterly awards are next week on the Sunday Fadeaway, um, and I'm going to be back with some guests. I'm going to do my best to get some interviews recorded from, from some of the guys that I speak with on a daily basis, whether it be on Twitter or some of the roommates. Or If you want to please, if you want to participate, please let me know. Um, you could follow us, again, at B-Ball Society, at Sunday Fadeaway. Shoot me a direct message. Shoot me an email shoot me a text i'm happy to have conversations anytime anywhere speak about basketball discuss debate what am i what am i saying that's wrong what do you think that where do you think i'm going wrong what do you want to talk about i want to hear it all 
So this has been a Basketball Society podcast. This is a Sunday Fadeaway, Episode 9. I'm going to do my best to get it, like I said, on iTunes, but it will definitely be on SoundCloud. Um, and we're looking to come from you every single week. Speak about basketball, both NBA and college basketball. Make sure to follow along because Basketball Society covers high school, covers college, covers NBA on a, on a weekly, on a daily, on an hourly basis. The best site that you can go follow. Please do so. I'm Ryan Kelpin. I'm your host. This was the Sunday Fadeaway. Thank you for tuning in.